Hi. Before we start the show, I wanted to put this out there. The new podcast I've spent the last three months producing is finally ready, and it's here now. Please listen to the first episode of Uncancelled with host Brandon Marsden of Space Cloud and his guest, Braden Wharton, in which they review the show Firefly based only on the first and last episodes of the series. The link is in the description. Now on with the show. And welcome to Storytime with Tom and Mike. I'm Tom. And that makes me Mike. And Mike, I have a surprise for you uh, for tonight. Um, oh we have, And this is not a joke. We have a new iTunes review. Really? Yes, we do. Um, yes. A five-star review mm. from uh, Dudes Being Bros, which is the Dudes Being Bros podcast, which I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, subject is big fan. And the uh, review is thanks for the dope content, guys. Rock and show. I will be following. I followed. Will be listening. And nice. It's awesome. Will be listening. Almost sounds like a threat. Like, <laughs> we will be listening to you. We'll be listening. So you better be good. Because your funding is entirely operational. So we will be. What does that mean? Your funding is entirely <laughs> operational. I tried to sound all cool and official. And I, I said, some I don't know, but it was working. I was like, uh oh, I better only spend money on things that are operational and nothing frivolous. You, you got me for a second there. Yeah. Did I send you Dudes Being Bros podcast to check out? I don't know if I did or not. I think you mentioned something about them i don't remember you sending them yeah you know i think you probably did send them to me yeah they're hard to find on like some spot some apps like i had trouble finding them on podcast addict which is what i use mm -hmm. um, but they're on spotify and apple so you can easily find them if you look in the right place oh i'll find um, them all right but uh yeah i it's will find you but there are like i will be watching um uh <laughs> But there, but it's like it's like four or five guys, and I, I get the impression they know each other from work, maybe. Uh, but they just do what we do, which is just talk about whatever. They're not complete strangers. No, they're not. Um, but I mean, just from the way they talk, I think it's I think they're either in the same industry or in the same workplace. Uh, uh, just from the the like, because they're talking about, yeah, yeah, I didn't come into work today, or I, yeah, I I closed out high in my my margins this week or whatever, you know. So it's like. I get the impression this is a bunch of guys who work in the same industry and sort of share battle stories. But yeah, they do. They have just a bunch of great friends that that do hilarious content and just talk about funny shit. So I nice. highly recommend it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Check out Dudes Being Bros podcast. I will. And not because you told me to. Right, so uh, the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. If you don't know what that is, look into it. It's it's basically some derivation of like the old Discordian movement of the seventies and eighties, and I think maybe even the sixties. Um, and then like the 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 cult of Bob and Slack <laughs> and all that stuff. And somewhere in, in that era and possibly from one of those sources, the Church of the Spaghetti Monster, Flying Spaghetti Monster was born. Um, and basically he's just a, a, a fill-in for God and a fill-in for religion. And uh, he's known to grace you with his noodly appendage. Um, and I've seen like... <laughs> 
I have his noodly appendage just feels yeah. so dirty. It's filthy. <laughs> yeah. Says, yes. <laughs> I saw a great picture of someone who had drawn the flying spaghetti monster on the Sistine Chapel over where God would be with mm-hmm. like little sp- little like meatballs for eyes and like this uh, noodle coming out and touching Adam's finger. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good yeah i've seen a lot of artwork for it also which uh always i mean the absurdity is uh that it's only as absurd as we allow other things uh, in the same realm to be right so gary yeah gary smith who is the british columbian leader of the church of the flying spaghetti monster has been fighting the icbc well i'm not sure what the icbc is yeah i was i looked through the article earlier and i and i never saw an explanation for what icbc stands for well it's canadian i assume that it means like you know like international uh, coalition for the betterment of cats whatever yeah (laughs) but that's uh, what i prefer to think they they love cats so so they're, they're helping them this guy gary smith has demanded for quite some time now that um, he is uh, uh, he has been fighting for the right to wear a pirate hat in his like official uh, ID, like his driver's license, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. I mean, the guy and for no other reason like when you look at him you're like clearly this guy is putting everybody on you know and it's just his way of sort of saying um you know fuck the system i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna jam it you know his just, picture in and of itself is a mockery <laughs> he, just just in the way that he presents himself he does well the fact that his bizarre fucking lower beard like is so off-centered yeah it's like an inch off center it's ridiculous it always drives me crazy like i i see that once in a while you you see someone whose facial hair is uneven and you just want to say to him like 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 you might want to invest in a shaving mirror yeah either that or take the mirror that's on your wall and straighten it out and move yeah. the giant crack that's probably in it that's making you think you're shaving straight and put it to the side yeah yeah move out of move out of the fucking clown house peewee get a fucking <laughs> regular mirror so you can see your face yeah clown house <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah i don't i don't know uh i don't know so so basically what it says here smith identifies himself as a pastafarian and a member of the church of the flying spaghetti monster members are known to either wear a pasta colander or a three-cornered hat known as a pirate's tricorn on their heads so i guess like you know he's taking the piss out of them you know for sure so yeah he's He's got this great picture, and he actually wrote to um, the ICBC uh, uh, in in paper form. He wrote a letter to them and uh, reached Debbie Rafford, who is a fair practices officer, and started his letter with, Ahoy, Debbie. (laughs) 
Um, this this is a guy I'd like to hang out and have a beer with. I know yeah. that. We do not recognize you as a member. She had said, we do not recognize you as a member of a religious re- group that requires accommodation in context to a service customarily available to the public under British Columbian Human Rights Code. Which, you know what? That's bullshit. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. But if you can accom- if you can accommodate one religion, you can accommodate any of them. Who are you to say that it's a farcical? You know? Yeah, yeah. Even who are if- you to who made you the fucking arbiter of validity when it came to uh, to come yeah. to religion? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think of it as a joke, but there pro- maybe there are people who don't. <laughs> so what? It's 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 every bit as valid as anything else. It's every bit as ridiculous as every other theory out there. Mm-hmm. Including the, the, I mean, and this will bristle some feathers, but including like the super skeptical, like materialist view of the universe that it's all just random and, and there's no purpose or anything like there's no life after death, all that. Like even someone who thinks that way still is dependent upon evidence that is shaky at times, like the Big Bang. We don't know what happened to make the Big Bang happen. It just did. There's something from nothing. That goes against physics. So it doesn't fucking make sense. Mm-hmm. So so when you look at it that way, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, give these spaghetti people what they want. Let the guy wear a fucking hat. Yeah, but, absolutely. But on the other hand, if I were the Pope and do I, if I'm the Pope and I get a driver's license, like in the state of Pennsylvania, do I get to wear my hat? <laughs> I think I think you have to wear your your uh, your hat your your toque as it were. Yeah. If you uh, if if you're the Pope, I, I just I think you know like I would I would force it on everything. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would be yeah I'd be in demand that I I would be demanding of of my right to wear my Pope hat because uh, you know that's a pretty mean, <laughs> that's a mean hat you know that's a hell it's like that old mighty boss mighty mighty boss tones song that's a hell of a hat you've got <laughs> <laughs> nice reference yeah i wanted to change gears here a little bit um and and I had an idea for a game. Now I tried to get you into Dungeons and Dragons a little bit back in high school, and it just didn't long s- time ago. Yeah, and it just didn't stick. But uh, it was fun while it lasted. But but I know that you're not a D and D guy, and I am. And mm-hmm. I thought it might be fun to take your general lack of knowledge of D and D, take advantage of that in the form of a game in which I randomly pick spells from the fifth edition D and D players handbook and uh, explain them and describe the name of them to you. And then you need to come up with what they are. The fifth edition. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We're we're on fifth edition, man. Actually, they're going out with sixth year soon, I think, but all right. So I'm going to, I would have figured that for something that's been around so long, they'd be further than the sixth edition. Yeah, well, I mean, what ends up happening, it's kind of like The Sims. <laughs> like, they put out the main stuff, and then they put out, like, a million books, and then they start all over again with a new rule set so that uh, you can buy it all again. Yeah. 
it's, it's kind of bullshit. I think it's great just the way it is, but they're always tweaking it and play testing stuff. And I hope it's a while, while away before they do the next version, but I'm going to roll my dice here. So 53 transport via plants. So what do you think that's about? Hmm. I think that makes it very dangerous to go into the woods. Uh, I think that um, transport by via plants uh, allows any kind of plant to just randomly suck you up and put you somewhere else. <laughs> like, 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 like the tubes in Mario Brothers. <laughs> yes. You can't go anywhere near anything plant related when this spell is in effect because you could end up Anywhere. <laughs> Anywhere else in the world that has Anywhere else in the world that has plants. Plants, right. Yes. Right. Yeah, there obviously has to be plants there in order for you to be transported to. Oh, well, sure. But it doesn't it doesn't mean that a malicious plant couldn't drop you from a cliff. <laughs> right. Right. All right, I'm clear on your definition. <laughs> so, let's take a look at the official definition. All right, this is a six-level conjuration spell, uh, and it is described as a spell which creates a magical link between a larger, larger inanimate plant within range and another plant at any distance on the same plane of existence. You must have seen or touched the destination of plants at least once before for the duration any creature can step into the target plant and exit from the destination plant by using five feet of movement. So you are kind of right. I'm, I'm almost, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got the gist. Yeah. You just didn't have the details. Yeah. The specificities of how it works. You are the wizard. (laughs) 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 All right. right, I'm feeling better about this. Good, Good. Good. So round two. We got 29. Stinking cloud. Oh, I was hoping we'd get this one. Stinking cloud. This is one that will take any kind of bad odor and turn it from a gaseous state into something a little bit more solid so that it travels around and gets on things and in things. So like a fog. Smells everything up. Like a like a fog. It's yeah. It's it's basically the D and D version of a stink bomb. Okay. All right. This is a third level conjuration spell. You create a twenty foot radius sphere of yellow nauseating gas centered on a point within range. A cloud spreads around corners, and in its area is heavily obscured. The cloud lingers in the air for the duration, which is about one minute. Each creature that is Completely within the cloud at the start of the turn must make a constitution saving throw against poison on a save fail, a failed save. The creature spends its action that turn retching and reeling. The creatures don't need to breathe or are immune to poison automatically succeed on this saving throw. A moderate wind disperses uh, the cloud after four rounds. A strong wind disperses it after one round. Uh, Mm. There are two uh, special material components for this. Uh, and either a rotten egg or several skunk cabbage leaves. <laughs> All right. 
Very, very interesting. Very interesting stuff. So again, yeah. I'm not super, super no. far off. No. I mean, that one there, I mean, the description, the name Pretty, of it kind of kind of yeah. gave it away a little bit. Pretty obvious, but still, yeah. still not bad intuition there. All right. 41. I bite. <laughs> okay. This one here is going to get a little bit crazy. This spell here allows you not only to bite with your mouth, but to also bite with your eyes because your eyes kind of got a little mouth thing going on there. Like it can, you, you can literally bite people with your eyeballs. Okay. Yep. So they, they have teeth in them. They like open up. Absolutely. Ah, oh, that's creepy as fuck. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not real, it should be. All right. Let's see here. Uh, for the spells duration, this is a uh, six level necro- nec- necromancy spell. Um, for the spell's duration, you be, your eyes become an inky void imbued with dread power. So kind of like the uh, dude from fucking Dishonored. The uh, what's his name? Yes, uh, the, outsider. the outsider. Yep. Uh, one creature of your choice within 60 feet of you must, that you can see must succeed a wisdom saving throw or be affected by one of the following effects of your choice for the duration at the end of each at the end of your turn or until the spell ends, you can use the action to target another creature, but you can't target a creature again if it's exceeded a saving throw against this casting. So they can either be put to sleep, go into a panic, or get sickened. So it's so you were not really Damn. anywhere close to that I one. I wasn't even in the ballpark with that one. I was only in one aspect, and that's what it had to do with eyes. <laughs> which is which is in the fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 16. Magic mouth. Oh boy. This is a real sexy spell. <laughs> I knew you, I knew it. I knew you would go there. This spell awesome. grants the user to be able to give the greatest of heads, depending or you know, depending on which uh sexual preference you are makes no difference because it's still just as magical. Well, so you, you are going to fillet the shit out of somebody. So this is a second level illusion spell. You implant a message within an object in range, a message that is uttered when a trigger condition is met. Choose an object that you can see and that isn't being worn or carried by another creature. Then speak the message, which must be 25 words or less. Though it can be delivered, be delivered over as long as ten minutes. Finally, deter. So that would be like uh, <laughs> it's like no. throat singing. <laughs> you can throat sing that shit. Finally, determine the circumstance that will trigger the spell to deliver your message. When that circumstance occurs, a magical mouth appears on the object and recites the message in your mouth at the same volume that you spoke it. If the mouth has chose you object you have chose has a mouth or something that looks like a mouth, for example, the mouth of a statue, the magic mouth appears there, so the words appear to come from the object's mouth. When you cast the spell, you can have the spell end after it delivers its message, or it can remain and repeat its message whenever the trigger occurs. The triggering circumstance can be as general and or detailed as you like, although it must be based on visible, visual or audible conditions. Uh, and you need a small bit of honey to- honeycomb, some jade dust worth at least 10 gold pieces in order to cast this spell. Uh-huh. If you have the, the jade dust that's only worth eight pieces, you can't yeah. do it. 
Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah. You gotta yeah. really. You got some more job. You need to get a little more jade. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, I was way off base. Of course, I knew I was way off base on that one. I had a feeling that there was no filleting in the D and D world. Uh, you would be very wrong about that. Um, actually, um, I mean, like written into the well, not you know, in the, into not in, uh, not into D and D, but there are supplements out there that third parties have written. And there is. Oh, a, I'm positive. There is. <laughs> there is a uh, a role playing, like, camp not campaign like like setting basically, like like it's it's called Fatal, and I I don't remember what it stands for, but it's fucking horrible. And there are like there are tables to roll for anal circumference, for damage done if you have a huge dragon cock fucking that anus like wow it, yeah i mean it it figures on everything like how much damage if you were to let's say you there's a spell called enlarge which makes you grow to twice your size so there's something like a um a, a table to figure out how much damage you would do if you were having sex with someone and then cast enlarge on yourself in the middle of the act <laughs> there you go there you go that's just silly that's the fatal system for you but we're not dealing with fatal we're dealing with wizards of the coast dungeons and dragons <laughs> 73 mm, greece <laughs> this one here Makes everybody interested in a car named Grease Lightning, and they all wear leather jackets and slick their hair back <laughs> and sing about the school dance. <laughs> all right. It's a first level conjuration spell requiring a bit of pork rind or butter. A slick grease covers the ground in a 10-foot square centered at a point which within range and turns it into difficult terrain, terrain for the duration. When the grease appears, each creature standing in its area must succeed on a dexterity saving throw or fall prone. The creature that enters the area or ends its turn there must also succeed on a dexterity saving throw or fall prone. So no Tron Travolta's anywhere around on no. that one or Living Newton-Johns. Damn no. it. I was no, hoping for that one. Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. Let's see here. What do we do? We did, we did five. I think that's good. How about one more? One more? Okay. One more. All right. Let's see what we got here. 38. Tongues. Okay. So for this one here, it makes this a terrible, frightening spell to even hear it uttered. Because what it makes happen is the tongues come out of every single orifice of your body and just lick <laughs> and just lick stuff. Just randomly lick. Yeah, like they come out your nose, they come out your ears, they come like you're tasting stuff in places you should not be tasting stuff from. You ever wonder what it's like to taste out of your butthole? Tongues will help you figure that out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Well, uh, what it actually is, is a third degree, third level divination spell in which it grants the creature that you touch the ability to understand any spoken language it hears. Moreover, <laughs> when the target speaks, any creature that knows at least one language and can hear the target understands what it says. It requires a small clay model of a ziggurat. 
Uh, oh, yeah, it's a small clay of model course. of a cigar. Yes. I mean, naturally, that's yeah. who doesn't have one of those lying around? Right, right, right. And, and and if not, I mean, you know, just pop over to the ziggurat store and visit the clay aisle, and you're all set. <laughs> It's like you go to the ziggurat store. Do you have any pyramids? They're like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Doesn't it say right there on the side? No fucking pyramids. It's like getting kicked out of the guitar store for playing stairway. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. Everyone knows better. You don't ask for a fucking pyramid at the ziggurat store. Come on. Jackass. Hell, even, even I know that. If you like Storytime with Tom and Mike or our Let's Play channel, Gaming with Tom and Mike, please consider contributing to our Patreon. For only $1 a month, you'll receive access to bonus content such as lost segments from the podcast, unaired gaming videos, behind-the-scenes audio and video, sketches, and more. Just go to www.patreon.com slash Tom and Mike. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. I... I'm going to go ahead and admit that I uh, subscribe to quite a number of cat related things, both on Facebook and on Reddit. It brightens my day. I love cats, I love dogs. I love kittens. I love just watching them play. So, so that one of the, one of the groups that I go to is called happy cats and they routinely post uh, from a place called giddy pet. G-I-D-Y-P-E-T dot com. I always thought Giddy had two D's in it. Well, Guidy. I don't yeah, know how guide, to help. Guidy Pet. Guidy Pet. <laughs> yeah, so um, so this website's garbage. Um, I don't think that the group itself is garbage, but the website is garbage because they tried <laughs> to they tried to um, pass off. Well, here's the headline. And, and tell me whether or not you think it's leading once I read to you who the fucking source of the information is. Turns out your cat or dog can feel offended when you call them a pet. Mm-hmm. So that's not at all clickbait, right? Nah. Yeah. Yeah. We have definitive proof. And then it has <laughs> this picture of a cat with a congenital disorder that makes it look like it's sad, like you know how some cats just have by the way eyes. super fucking adorable adorable cat but he looks sad by human standards he looks like he's crying but he's not he's just like grumpy cat he just looks goofy so <clears throat> <clears throat> here's the article next next article they're going to write is going to be called does it hurt your cat's feelings when you say they look like they're goofy <laughs> <laughs> well if, if that's the case then i'm in trouble because uh I'm a, I'm a total total guilty party of doing that. I always call my call out my cats like, look at you, goofball. You look like a yep. peanut. All right. Sometimes we don't know how much our words can hurt an animal. Please keep in mind that animals are like us. They do have emotions and feelings. When you choose a dog, a cat, a pig, or a parrot as your forever friend, they also need a certain validation from you. However, there are some people who tend to treat animals like their positions and possessions and even worse, toys which is a possession. Little does that person know those attitudes and behaviors impact an animal's nerve systems, sentiments, behaviors, and it becomes a trauma. The debatable topic has stirred up so many commenters with a burning question. Should we call the animal friends of our lives pets? Calling them a pet is one of the not too kind ways that we should avoid. 
Uh, here are, this is written terribly. Here are four reasons why we should not call our furry companions a pet according to the people for the ethical treatment of animals. Oh, of course. (laughs) Jeez Louise, Peta. Oh man, don't even get me started on Peta. They're the worst. Or is it Peta? I don't know. It don't matter. Yeah. Whichever you say, it will be wrong to them anyway. Yeah, yeah. So here is here is the the description here. Language is the most power. Oh, number one, the word pet is offensive. Yep. Language is the most powerful tool. It helps us to communicate with other people and exchange information to better together. Uh-huh. Yep. You sure do understand communication, my friend. And a deeper <laughs> meaning, words can either lift us up or let us down. It also shows how people shows people how we think about a particular circumstance based on linguistic usages in this case the word pet can be understood in so many directions some will say there is no harm for them when they call them my pet or use the pronouns or use the pronouns it instead of he she they had the balls to use the word linguistics yeah that's all i want to say and then the rest of this looks like it was written by a bot yeah. On the other hand, people who have a big love for animals have a standpoint that telling the animals whom we consider friends pet can be triggered and derogatory. Wow, this is this feels like something like Kevin should be reading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever did you ever watch like uh I think Netflix has it on YouTube? They have like a, a script that was completely written by bots. Yes, I've seen That's it. That's exactly what this sounds like. Yeah, it's so it's so stilted and like uncomfortable. <laughs> like it doesn't fully understand English or language. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. The word pet means the animal is a possession. Like, like a, a car. car. You want to read this part? Yeah, I I just uh, I know that I've tried to drive my cats around with me before and it's that doesn't work very well. If you have attended if you have attended to dog race, this is what it means to be a possession. The dogs themselves are absolutely happy and energetic when it comes to racing, running and enjoying. However, this is mainly for the organization's gain and the dogs have brutally categorized objects by default. Dogs have brutally categorized objects. I want to make sure I read that right. The way we call them and use them as objects can tremendously destroy the rights and benefits that they can bring to us. So you're expecting them to bring you rights and benefits while you're at the same time telling me that they're not your possession. (laughs) Right. And what rights and benefits are they bringing you? I I don't know. My cats better get on the fucking stick here because I'm not getting any rights and benefits out of this. (laughs) Like like you go to the grocery store and they're like, oh, I have a cat. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, no problem. Your your shit's free. Yeah, right. Yeah, here have lots of free cat stuff. <laughs> a lot of people at home who have dogs and cats refer to them as pets, and they refer to themselves as owners. And this implies that the animals are a possession, says Peta. <clears throat> if we think and use the term pet to call them, we eventually mold and behave with them as such. <laughs> It's such <laughs> it makes the intimacy of humans and their animals companions and their animal companions derailed. This is so bad. 
This is literally some of the worst writing I've ever seen. It's yeah, and it doesn't feel like it's badly translated either. No. It's just bad. It's yes. just plain old bad. Number three, it reduces the animal with a personality and emotions to an inanimate object. Like humans, animals have feelings and emotions. Furthermore, they can have the ability to heal humans' mental health problems such as distress, anxiety, depression, social skills, autism, and so on. The way that we put the animal's emotions down can hurt them severely. When it comes to calling our fluffy friends pets, we start to limit the range of emotions, feelings, and mental abilities. Does that make sense when we place the animals who also have traits, emotions, and feelings like us in a lower position? Calling our friends pets is too far gone from what they have expected us to do. (laughs) What (laughs) does that mean? (laughs) I don't know. I just, I just don't know. I mean, I get the general gist of what they're talking about, but if you read the words, it makes it so much more confusing. Companion yeah. or human carer is more inclusive. And I'm not going to read this because this is a lot. Yeah, it is uh, a lot. Yeah, there is a lot here. Just it's basically saying <laughs> the same exact goddamn thing anyway. They want us to use language which is kinder, more respectful, and everything towards other living beings. I want to know, you know, why wouldn't you do that? And I read the last paragraph here. There are so many ways to call our little friends instead of pets, companion, human carer, he or she, guardian, furry friend, boy, girl, boy, girl. I I suddenly turned into fucking groove from uh, from (laughs) from despicable me that goyle boy or girl or whatever names that can describe their outstanding traits like pets. Yeah, hopefully this article can change the way people think about animals so that we don't have to see tragedies come into animals' lives. What tragedy is coming from me calling my my animals a pet? <laughs> this the senseless calling of animals pets. It's great to have a fucking commercial on with a sad song, you know, yeah. like they do for the SPCA and stuff like that. Stop calling your animals pets. It's hurting them. I don't think that my cats or my dog give a shit what I call them as right. long as I do it in a happy enough voice and right. I feed them. Right. They don't they understand words, but like if you I've noticed that I can say walk and I can say walk. And if I say walk like that, mm-hmm. Dexter doesn't even really pick up on it because the tone is so different from how I communicate with him when I want to see if he wants to go for a walk. So, you know, animals understand you, but they don't understand language. They just associate a sound that you're making with an activity or a situation or a mood. And the tone has so much to do with that. The enunciation and the tone, like they don't have a language cortex like a human being does. If you're talking about a dolphin or a fucking whale or, or a chimp. Yeah. Okay. We can start talking about, yes, it contextually understands, but if I call my cat an asshole, he just looks at me the same as if I had called him a sweetheart. He doesn't care. unless I'm, I could say you little, you little son of a bitch, or I could say you sweet little guy, but if I'm mad, sweet little guy, wow. Either way, He's if so I'm, sweet. If I'm mad at my cat, well, I got to 
do something about it, right? <laughs> so I got my magnum, you know, from the war. Long, powerful weapon. Put one right between his fucking eyes. Not proud of it. <laughs> Not proud of it. I wish the people could see the faces you're making while you're doing this. <laughs> it's fucking literally <laughs> making it so much better. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So the take home message here, I think, is don't listen to anything Peta has to say. Yeah, they're all for the ethical treatment of animals. And I think that some of the work that they do is noble and yeah. good. I just think that the way that they put their message across could use a little bit of polishing. Well, I challenge anyone to just look up awful things that Peta has done because they... I read an article the other day in preparation for this that basically states that of uh, they are able to rehome less than 12% of the animals that they get and they euthanize the rest. Which is which is terrible. Out of they got something like 67 bunnies and rehomed two of them and euthanized the rest. What it's bunnies. It's fucking bunny. Oh, this bunny is not acceptable. We'll have to euthanize it. You know, like, like they're insane. That yeah. Anybody who thinks pet is okay, please, please, please do some reading. I know that sounds like do your research, but seriously, they suck. They're horrible. Word. And, it's, and it's a matter of public record. It's not an opinion. These people are extremists, and they need to be. They need to be sanctioned in some way, but they're not. Because we're stupid about animal safety still. As you as a as a species. We still allow, for example, like this is a this is a topic of, of, of frustration for me is Amish people. And I can make fun of Amish people in, with impunity because I know none of them are listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the one group of people we can't defend. <laughs> we right? are positive are not listening to us. Unless they're like on Rumspringa and just binging podcasts, you know. <laughs> but but yeah, no, like it pisses me off that these Amish farmers are allowed to have puppy mills and shit and no one does anything about it. Because they're like, well, this is my property. They don't treat animals like living beings. They treat them like property. It's disgusting. They should read that article. Yeah, but they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't get anything. I'd be, oh, yes, just some English talking, some bullshit. None of mine. Don't care for that. None. You know, <laughs> don't care for that. None. Don't want to oh, listen no. to them. No, no, that's devil kin. <laughs> <laughs> this one just tickled me and it's a short one so i i find the reason why i like it the former cameron county texas employee convicted of stealing 1.2 million dollars in fajitas yes eligible for parole next year First off, what does $1.2 million of fetus look like? And like, uh, I just, I just imagine a guy scooting off with fucking truckloads of fajitas. And then I'd be like, I got to use all these up before they go bad. And the best part of it is, is that the story does not go that far in depth into it. Like it the really leaves, me, leaves me wanting a lot. Oh yeah. It says, 
a former Cameron County employee who was sentenced to 50 years in prison, 50 fucking years in prison in 2018 for stealing millions of dollars worth of fajitas will soon be eligible for parole. And it says here that this guy pled guilty to stealing the fajitas over the course of nine years. I, I know that what I said was I just imagined a guy with a big old truckload of uh, expiring <laughs> fajitas. But uh, over the course of nine years while employed at the Daryl Hester Juvenile Detention Center in San Benito. So who in the... Uh, how? Yeah, well, I mean, like, how does that work? First of all, okay, so first of all, did they serve burritos every day? How big was this place? How many burritos did they have on file? Like, well, not on file, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they open up the filing count. That's how we well, eat. How many they have in stock? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I get what you're saying, but yeah. not, um, like over the course of nine years, nobody fucking noticed like, hey, I thought we were having fajitas today. Nope. Wow. And here's and here's uh, here's the guy, uh, you know, who took them and uh, and he's like, mm, I don't see no fajitas as he's walking out the door with a giant box behind his back and constant diarrhea, constant diarrhea. <laughs> well, and I mean, really, like I would love to see it quantified visually just what that looks like, like like that. I is, would love to as well that. I mean, that's like a tugboat full of burritos stacked all the way up like like just i would think pallets. given the general price range that fajitas fall into that 1.2 million dollars worth would be just an amazingly large amount well okay we don't <laughs> we don't know but let's assume based on the grocery store price of like a microwave burrito mm -hmm. <laughs> so what's that about Maybe store brand is like what eighty cents. I think that you're thinking back when we used to work at the grocery stores when they were cheaper. I would put them probably closer to like a buck twenty-five now. Okay, all right. So let's just conservatively, work. we'll say a buck twenty-five. It's a million burritos. Okay, yeah, it's exactly a million burritos because I'm a fucking idiot and I don't know how math works. But yeah, so so a million burritos like over the course fajitas. of nine years of the, okay. All right. I mean, that's so, that's insane. That's um, roughly 11,000 burritos a year. OK, so let's say there's a burrito like day once a week. <laughs> he still had to steal if it was once a week. He still had to steal 213 burritos a day. <laughs> <laughs> You think, you think somebody would catch on? How the fuck did he do it? <laughs> now I'm imagining this guy walking around with like his pants and his shirt full of fucking fajitas. And he's uh, like, he's teetering out through the building. He came in weighing, you know, uh, judging by his picture, he came in weighing you know, I, 160 pounds and he walked out looking like he weighed 300 pounds because he had his clothing filled with fajitas. How do you, now here's my question. Like what, so what evidence do you need to uncover to discover this? Like that he's been doing it for nine years. Like, it's not like you just caught him walking out with a box, but like, Hey there guy, um, what's in the box? 
I've been doing this for nine years. Yeah. Well, yeah. You just, oh, no, I do this every day since I started working here. This and the other 14 boxes that I just put in the back of my car. Yeah. And like, (laughs) what, what was, okay. So I don't know how easy it is to resell burritos that have already been sitting in a truck all day. (laughs) And I mean, you know, what did he do with them? Why surely he didn't eat them. Did he have a big family? I, I just like. That's a good question. I think maybe he built an addition onto his house. With them. He must have. He, he must have. All I know is that if you have like. Right. If you have that many burritos, that's like 130,000 burritos a year to eat. Like how many can you sit and or fajitas? How many can you sit and, and eat in like a setting? Like three? I, I think yeah, maybe. I mean, it really depends on the size. Also, I mean, I'm assuming since it's juvenile detention food that it's probably a reasonable portion. So you know, yeah. In order in order to do that, you would have to eat that shit for a long time, a lot longer than a year. Like I'm imagining him having like 12 of those deep freeze, like, like, like cool, like, like freezers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, nothing about it makes any logistical sense whatsoever. And, and yet, I mean, I guess if you can find a way to get over on the system, good for you, but geez, man, where did you come up with this? He might be a criminal genius. <laughs> and it just poorly ap- applied, like poorly underutilized genius of crime. That's just insane. I found this article on a website called Strange Maps. Um, well, actually, it's on thinkbake.com, but there's a section of it called Strange Maps. Um, and there was this guy who was renovating his basement in Turkey and uh, knocked down a section of flooring or wall, um, discovering uh, the entrance to a long forgotten underground city called Derin Kuyu, which housed something like 20,000 people in its day and had like eight some stories uh underground with winding staircases and and like communal wells and and places where chimneys could could burn and and like natural lighting that came down through these holes like like Mm -hmm. it's amazing it's absolutely fucking amazing uh in 1963 this happened in 1963 so apparently this isn't like it's new news, but it's still amazing. In 1963, a man knocked down a wall in his basement and discovered a mysterious underground city. It's up to 18 stories and 280 feet deep in places and probably thousands of years old. It could house up to 20,000 people. That's a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, this is this is like something out of like a dream or like a it sounds uh, it sounds fucking awesome like i i I would just be beside myself would that mean that you owned it like how far how far under the ground does your property line go 
think how far you would run into that would be a problem would be like, this is my airspace. Get the fuck yeah, out of here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's only Did 10 you hear acres. Me commercial flights, knock it off. Yeah, I know it's only 10 acres, but I will attempt to shoot you down with my nerf gun. <laughs> do, 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 do. Um, I would well, that's a tough question to answer because I think unless you had the bona fide main entrance that you could verify was the main entrance on your property. Like, could you really say that it was all yours or are you just kind of got to pay a piece of it? I, I don't know. I don't know, but it's, it's fascinating. I think I would be as claustrophobic as fucking scared, but I'd also be so just enamored with it that I would want to explore every single little facet of it and hope that I didn't get lost and, you know, die in there. Yeah. Well, looking at some of these pictures, like uh, it looks like it had ventilation and like it was well lit. It looks kind of roomy. Like I would still mm-hmm. feel that crushing pressure of earth. Like I can't even go to Indian Echo Caverns or something or like any of those places because I, I just feel the pressure of that earth over top of me. I, I can't handle it. I get what you're saying. I, I every now and then, uh, like, you know, I'll find an article where someone is like, this person was lost in a cave for five days, unable to get through a crack until finally, you know, whatever. They held their breath for three minutes while they crept through so they could compress their chest enough to move through this narrow. That makes me space. anxious even thinking yeah, about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking terrible. I read a story about this guy who got caught in a hole and um this crew found him and they started they set up like a, a pulley system to hook around his waist to pull him up and it started to work but one of the pulleys broke it snapped and he fell deeper in and got wedged and they couldn't even get him out at that point they basically just had to leave him to die oh it's terrible can you imagine i would be screaming <laughs> And 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 crying and panicking. Um, it, it's not so much like that. I'm afraid to die. Is that I don't want it to take forever. They well, can't not under those circumstances. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, like I'd like to say I'd be pretty stoic in the face of my own death, but not if it's extended over the periods of, of like five, ten days of starvation and and anxiety and and dehydration and fear and terror and just that and as you start to shrink you slide further and further in yeah yeah (gasps) now i'm gonna have nightmares thanks yeah yeah well (laughs) this place wasn't like that though i mean this place looked pretty roomy so i mean you know it's like some it's like some uh some wilmer wilmer some 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 Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Some Wilmer. <laughs> Wilmer. I don't know. Wilmer Valderrama. Wilmer Valderrama. Yeah, that's some Wilmer Valderrama shit right there, baby. <laughs> cool. Good old Handy Manny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what would you do? Like, I would, I would, I don't know. Like, part of me says charge admission during Halloween and have the coolest fucking haunted house of all time i don't know part of me would want to keep it to myself yeah 
I mean, just be like, I've got one of the coolest things ever. And I'm not fucking telling anybody about it because I don't want somebody trying to claim. Apparently, though, it is now become one of the one of Cappadocia's biggest tourist attractions. Cappadocia, of course, known for their for their tourist industry. Oh, yeah. Uh, one, one of their biggest tourist attractions. So now this poor, poor guy, uh, you know, after all these years, has had people just trudging through and his house popping up into his house and everything else, you know, be like, oh, damn it. Why? Why did I ever say anything? I don't know. I I, I mean, I like haven't we all had a fantasy about about having like an underground thing at your house where you could where you could like open up a trap door and just drop into some subterranean lair. Yeah. And everything. I mean, that this would be this would be that you know times without 10. having to do any of the work yeah this is it times 10 uh it's interesting it says when sh- when shut off from the world above the city was ventilated by a total of more than fifteen thousand shafts most about 10 centimeters wide and reaching down into the first and level second levels of the city this ensured sufficient ventilation down to the eighth level the upper levels were used as living and sleeping quarters, which makes sense as they were the best ventilated ones. The lower levels were mainly used for storage, but they also contained a dungeon. <laughs> ah, of course. A dungeon within a dungeon. Right. A fucking dungeon. Like, uh, just imagine, like, that's like the gulag, you know, just taken to some facility somewhere and taken, like, you know, three, four, five hundred feet under the ground and just locked up and never see sunlight again. Yep. That's uh, about what it amounts to. Yeah. You have been taken to the dungeon within a dungeon and yeah. you, you no dungeon, longer exist. Dungeon inception. Dungeonception. <laughs> it's amazing. I wanna I do want to tour this place bad. That that would be amazing to just see what this place is like maybe uh... i remember having gone to uh we did a class trip when i was in grade school we went to um to williamsburg mm-hmm. and there's this place called loray caverns that's down yes. in that in that area dude i am like normally would freak out about going into a cave or something like that but it was so cool they are pretty cool i remember uh i think i went to that one uh, is it the one that has a big lake underground? I don't remember a lake, but I do remember that there was a stalagmite formation that looked like fried eggs. Okay, yeah, I saw looked that. Just before. like fried eggs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember either I don't remember if I was there, but I remember that one because there were always those like you'd go to like Haas's steakhouse and and get like all the little pamphlets for the different crazy like mm-hmm. like caves in the in the next 300 miles in any direction yeah uh there was one i went to had a big giant fucking lake underneath the water or underneath the cave and it was, it was <laughs> a giant lake under the water this is some spongebob level shit yeah yeah no it was it was <laughs> really interesting and like you could i kind of they had it lit back to a certain play, way and then it just fell into darkness and i just kind of pictured like like getting a little paddle boat and just fucking around in there but i have seen recently and getting eaten by some prehistoric animal that jumps up out of the water some fucking leviathan yeah yeah 
Well, see, yeah, I have a big problem with water um, and, and like deep water and, and especially dark water. And I saw this thing on Reddit where this um, there was this sign that says danger that only death awaits you beyond this point. This is for ex- this is not even for experienced or something like even extremely experienced underwater divers um, can easily get lost and die in this cave system. Do not move forward. Mm. You have been warned. And oh, and there will be no rescue party sent beyond that point. They just won't do it. Um, and it, I realized after a moment, oh, the sign is underwater. So this you had to go some ways down to get to. But there's this spot down there where it's just it's like if you go down into it, moving around will kick up so much silt that the water becomes completely obscured. And you don't know what direction you're facing or where you are. And you just get lost and you die. Yeah. It sounds terrifying. Yeah. 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 And, and, and people do this shit for a hobby. Cave diving. (laughs) Nope. Uh, A North Carolina dog who was dropped off at an animal shelter because his previous owners believed he was gay (laughs) has been adopted. Yeah. Because it humped another male dog. (laughs) I don't know uh, if anybody that's listening is familiar with dogs, but they will literally hump anything uh, for the most part. It doesn't matter if it's male, female, alive, inanimate, you know. A stuffed animal, somebody yeah. who bent over to pick something up. If dogs are going to hump, they're going to hump. It has nothing to do with with their sexual preference and has everything to do with uh, with them being dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want no faggot dog. Oh, what the hell? That is so stupid. And And the best part is that it was he, the dog is, I don't know if the dog is male or female. He gay the okay. male yeah male male dog so yeah um uh they, he was adopted by a gay couple and uh, they named him Oscar after Oscar Wilde so that's pretty cool you know there's a happy ending to this but I just I can't imagine someone sitting around and going that dog's gay making me look bad <laughs> yeah what if he turns yeah. me gay next he licks me I get the gay that's how it works. Not gonna it, have is, it. it is contagious. Yeah. yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. What's the matter? Well, you got some real gugats talking about that dog like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should talk about the dog meat site that we found. So all right. I mean, we can <laughs> roll right into that. Yeah, let's just talk right, talk about that because we have to. Uh so there's this website called I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and pimp it because you really do need to see it for yourself. It's called elwooddogmeat.com. That's E-L-W-O-O-D-D-O-G-M-E-A-T.com. Delicious organic dog meat since 1981. And it's it's farm fresh. It's farm fresh. And the whole article, the whole site is like all about like why it's okay and it's cool and all that. And then if you click pretty much any link, 
on here, it takes you to um, a vegan, basically a vegan, a pro-vegan site where it gives you a dozen or three dozen some reasons why you're a monster for eating meat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's pretty obnoxious. I mean, it, it's effective. I'm going to say this because when you go to that page, you're like, is this real or is this fake? And it gets you digging around. And, and I love you know, the little cowboy logo at the top. Yeah, the cowboy <laughs> logo is great. What's funny about that is that they're saying it's from like 1981 or whatever, but that logo is like from the 50s. Oh, yeah, straight yeah. out of the 50s. And it's it looks like he's wearing um, high heels. He's wearing them. high heels with spurs and he's got like feathered chaps furry, on. <laughs> yeah, like furry chaps. Yeah. Perhaps made out of the dog skins that they got the dog meat from. Perhaps. Perhaps. We'll never really know because that's not on the FAQ and I don't want to ask. But maybe, maybe I should contact. You know what? Yeah, we're going to contact them. Let's do it. All right, so story time. Tom and Mike at gmail.com. I have a question that is not covered by your FAQ. Well, two actually. First, am I correct? in thinking that Elwood is wearing high heels with spurs? If so, that's pretty cool. Very Very, fashion forward. Very fashion forward. Secondly, are his chaps made of feathers? Or fur, fur, or or something. I am very confused. Thank you. I'd also like to know why his arms are so long that he could touch the ground. <laughs> uh, thank you, Tom. Story time with Tom and Mike. P.S. Mike would like to know how why. His arms are so long. His hands are massive. Guess it makes roping them doggies a little bit easier, huh? His hands are massive. I suppose it helps him rope up dogs. (laughs) I'm going to suspect that there will never be a response to that. Yeah, yeah. Where should where do we hear about us about him about them? Uh, I think Reddit is where I found this. Yeah, right. I was searching. You should put it there. I was searching for an alternative to beef. <laughs> I tripped across your site. Uh, I was truly interested in the ultimate delicacy of dog meat. Yeah, yeah. I was searching for beef. Alt- alternatives <laughs> and I got excited at first I think you're maybe pulling my leg 
that's funny submitted (coughs) submitted we'll see if we get something back (laughs) stay tuned this week i got in the mail um a box of business cards that i made for the show they uh they're from vistaprint.com and i'm actually they're the reason that i'm bringing that up is so that you don't shop with them <laughs> because mm-hmm. yeah because the quality on the front because on the front it's got our logo and the quality on that is is pretty good the cut's clean the, the stock is nice yeah you flip it over to the back. It's got a QR code. It takes you to the podcast directly. That works. It looks good. It's got TomandMike.com on it. And then below it has StoryWinds.com. Yeah. <laughs> because they smeared it or they overprinted it or they didn't set their, their printers aren't fine enough to capture 10 point print which is ridiculous i mean maybe it's eight point print now that i look at it but any printing press should be able to handle that so i guess you get what you pay for folks and vista print is not the move yeah it uh it's going to it's going to lend itself to some conversation though so at the very least i mean you know you hand it to and you're like oh by the way yeah the back of the card says you know, blah, 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 whatever. Or just use the damn QR code. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just use the <laughs> you QR know. code. So, I mean, it's not a total loss, but uh, yeah, it is kind of sloppy when you look at the front of it and then you look around at the back of it. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, um, excuse me, a difference in the quality of it. For but, sure. Yeah. Hey, it is what it is. How many fucking business cards do you have, people? That's right. I got it. cards that I can give. The, yeah, that's right. I got cards that I can give to people now and be like, check this out. Just be forewarned. There's some adult language. You get real close to them, whisper in their ear. I'm a professional. I podcast. That makes me an expert at podcasting. I actually do mention it periodically to people and they're like, oh, really? And then, yeah, I, I've, I've turned some people onto what I hope. Yeah, well, having so, a card to give them makes it a little more impactful. Yeah. Because then you're like, yeah. they aren't just like, oh, you just do this, you know, on the side. Like, well, yeah, we do it on the side, but yeah. we also this do is, it every week. This ain't paying the bills. It's not, <laughs> no, it's not. We have we have three patro- pa- we have three Patreon subscribers. And uh I you know I, I adore them, don't get me wrong. But I want more. I want more people to see our, and not just for the money. Like honestly, I want that because it means that it validates the fact they want to see some of the bonus content that we put mm-hmm. out. You know, and I, I want people to watch or listen to that content. But now I feel obligated to keep it private and on the Patreon because the people who've already paid for it deserve that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, at this point, it's a paywall thing. But uh, sorry, sorry, it's nothing personal. It's just sort of loyalty to the people who have been loyal to the show. That's right. 
yeah. those people that have been there with us. And as much as I would love to continue talking about this, I just looked at the clock. We are out of time. So it's going to have to be a story for another time. Thanks for listening to story time with Tom and Mike. We hope you enjoyed as much as we enjoyed giving it to you. Giving it to you like the hunger that I have deep down inside of me right now for a fajita. Because talking about that made my ass hungry. Oh.